Our time is burdened under the cumulative weight of successive debunkings of our conceits. We live in the cosmic boondocks. Welcome to the Cosmic Boondocks, a weekly online radio show discussing science, reason, and humanistic values in India. Welcome to Cosmic Boondocks. We have with us Bill Lorenze, the author of Invention of God. Hello, Bill. Yes, hello. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. So, in your book, The Invention of God, you say that God was in fact invented by man, that it emerged as a response to the external factors. So what are external factors led to the invention of God? Okay, that's a good question. Um, there, there were three main things that I found in my research. Uh, can be can be summarized as the, the heavens above us, the, the earth below us, and the air around us. Um, today we would talk about astronomy, uh, geology and the atmosphere <clears throat> as being the three uh, primary external events that I uh, found that caused humans to invent God. Um, in my book, I, I don't really go too much into astronomy because I feel that's been covered in many, many different books, how, you know, how the, the stars and the and the planets uh, influenced uh, early humans. Um, so in my book, I, I talk about areas which I feel have been neglected, <clears throat> which is um, which is the uh, the geology, the volcano, the volcanoes, and also in the atmosphere, the the influence of of oxygen. Okay, so you talk about volcanic eruptions several times in your book. How do you think volcanic eruptions led to the invention of God? Well, um, in my book, I, I say that you have to look at the world as the early humans did. Uh, to them, uh, you know, they were basically uh, hunter-gatherers. And um, they were, when, when they saw a volcano, that was a, a huge uh, thing for them, a very powerful event and they wanted to understand it and um, of course they, they made it into a god because uh, you know they, they saw how how strong and powerful it was and how the the, the magma um, and lava would come out of the volcano as as this burning fire which would eventually <clears throat> cool and form rock. And then from that rock, that rock would break down and form soil after after many years. And so, uh, what you have is is the volcano um, creating land, soil, and eventually things growing in that soil. Um, and I think about 80% of the Earth's surface was formed from volcanic uh, phenomena. So basically, this was a, like a creator god uh, to these early humans because they saw it creating land and they saw life <clears throat> eventually growing out of this land. 
and this was like a huge uh, creation event yes it all makes sense now if you look at it from the point of view of hunters and gatherers okay can you tell us more about why do you think belief in osiris or invention of osiris was a direct result of all these natural events oh osiris right um yeah osiris was the egyptian uh god of the underworld and of course the egyptians um they lived very near the great uh, east african rift valley which is a very geologically active area it's uh, many volcanoes in that area and so they would have been influenced by these uh, volcanoes and uh, in the uh, egyptian hieroglyphs it talks about the outflow of osiris and of course that uh probably was the the magma or lava coming coming out of the ground and uh eventually osiris gets blown to bits and his son horus uh takes takes his place and if you read the uh hieroglyphs it makes uh pretty good sense in terms of geology because many times a volcano will explode and then be replaced by by another volcano that happened in uh Santorini in the middle of the Mediterranean and also in um Krakatau in Indonesia uh where a volcano has recently well in 1927 it it emerged from the ocean and has been growing uh they call it the child of Krakatau because the original volcano uh, maybe not the original but the one that was there before uh exploded uh, into bits just like the uh Osiris did in 1883 that volcano exploded so you have this whole um uh, correlation uh there and of course you have this resurrection uh which i believe is the the original resurrection um uh, that that we we see in the volcanoes <laughs> original resurrection you say okay so do you think it also inspired the christian resurrection story oh yeah definitely i think the the, the whole christian resurrection thing was taken from uh these early uh these early uh, stories of of the egyptian uh, resurrection uh yeah definitely the hor the osiris and then uh horus um it's in fact it's referred to as the egyptian resurrection uh by other scholars okay so another phenomena that looks uh, f- phenomenal would be lightning bolts so how do you think l- looking at lightning bolts shape the early religions Yeah um yeah that was that was um that's a very interesting phenomena that a phenomenon that occurs when there's a volcanic eruption you get what's called volcanic lightning and it's due to uh you know the, the air friction building up uh during the eruption and so during the eruption you'll get these flashes of lightning going down into the mouth of the uh volcano and then at the very 
uh, end where the volcano explodes, often explodes completely, you have a, a whole bunch of volcanic lightning. And to the ancient mind, this would look like a battle between the god of the sky and the god of the earth. And <clears throat> when the volcano explodes, um, you have basically uh, the, the, the god of the sky um, winning uh, by destroying the, uh, the volcano, the god of the earth. And this, this is seen in many, uh, many different uh, cultures uh, throughout the world, in, in Egypt, in Greece, in India, in the Mayan uh, civilization of Central America, in China, in the, in the Viking uh, Norse civilization, in Rome. They have this same uh, type of battle going on. Um, and they call it different names in, the, in Greece. It was the Titans were the, the earth uh, gods, and Zeus, of course, was the, the god of the lightning. In, in Egypt, it was Osiris, and Seth, etc. Yes, yeah, uh, I mean, I could totally relate to that. Even in Hinduism, we have uh, Indra, the god who controls thunder, who is often shown to be fighting with earth gods like, like Krishna. Right, right. Okay, so moving ahead of the earth below us, let us talk about the air around us. So, Well, yeah, that, that to me is, is just as interesting. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they get hung up on the volcanic thing and they find that very fascinating. But the second half of the book is on uh, what I call oxygen, uh, the air around us. And... Uh, what I realized uh, after doing a lot of research was that the ancient humans, uh, they knew that there was something in the air that uh, was important for life that animated them. Uh, obviously, if they couldn't breathe, they died. And they also saw that when a human body was, was burned or cremated, that it disappeared into the air except for a handful of ashes. <clears throat> and, for example, a stiff piece of wood, a hard piece of wood, also when you burn it, it, it disappears in the air. This, this seemed kind of magical to them. And they uh, made the deduction that uh, there's some, something in the air that, that makes up humans. Uh, they call it many different names, uh, the spirit, uh, prana in India, in Japan it was called Reiki, in China it's called the Chi, in Egypt the Ba. But what I realized that these are all names for what today we, we, know, we know as oxygen. Uh, and it turns out that the human body and all living things are about 65% oxygen. So, I mean, the, human, the early humans were right in a way that there is something in the air that, that makes, makes up us living things, but it's not something mysterious anymore. It's uh, chemical no, element number eight in the periodic table. And, of course, we didn't know, uh, we didn't know about the elements. Uh, they didn't know about the elements back then. 
and uh, now we do. So uh, we no longer need these primitive uh, concepts for oxygen. Yes, yes, I can totally relate to that. When in Hinduism we have uh, this ritual of pouring things onto fire, what which we call ahuti, and as you said, it appears that everything you pour into fire it disappears. Uh, it, it it appears as if the fire god has consumed whatever you have given to him. I can imagine how fascinating it would have been, and and how yeah, and it could have shaped their belief system. And 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 also about the primitive chemistry. Uh, even in Hinduism, we assume five elements that uh, comprise entire universe: uh, Prithvi, Agni, uh, Vayu, Jal, Akash, which will be Earth, Fire, Air, Water, and Sky. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think Chinese also have their own five elements, and so so do many different religions. Yeah, I mean all the all the ancient civilizations developed some primitive uh, elements, uh, you know, whether it was the ones you mentioned or in, in Greece, they had the air, water, earth, and fire. And, you know, these, these were um, very primitive. And there, there is some uh, truth there, a very limited amount of truth. I mean, out of the air comes water. Um, you know, things can, uh, hard things like the wood that I mentioned can, can disappear into the air. Um, out of a volcano, the fire out of a volcano can, can form earth. So they saw this and they, they thought that these were the, the only elements. Uh, it took us until, you know, the 1800s. Uh, when Mendeleev uh, first developed his chart of the periodic table, um, and then we we have expanded now to 116, uh, I think confirmed elements, and this explains the what's happening in the world in a lot more uh, detail and accuracy than than what they have back then. So yeah, that's right. Yes, and and I think this primitive understanding of uh, air, of nature, and and finding oxygen to be present virtually everywhere uh, also explains the omnipresent nature of God and the shapeless nature of God and the concept of soul, uh, which Hindus call Atma, and the shapeless God that Hindus call Paramatma. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, Everybody still believes in this spirit and soul, and it's 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 not an easy uh it's so embedded in our culture it's it's not going to be easy to get rid of um i'm not sure if we can but um you know we can try <laughs> and 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 since you talk about beliefs present even today so what do you think about the new age religions you know uh, uh the words, uh, law of attraction secret uh, do you think it also comes from oxygen present everywhere? Yeah, yeah, I do. This this universal energy that's talked about in in many different places. Yeah, they're talking about oxygen, and so their their message is going to appeal to people because it has a certain ring of truth to it. Uh, when they talk about universal energy, people 
they they know intuitively that there is some sort of universal energy. They just haven't realized that it's, it's very simply um, oxygen, and it's it's not uh, completely universal because uh, many forms of life. Uh, the Earth, the Earth, the first 1.6 billion years of the Earth, there was no uh, large amount of oxygen in the atmosphere, and many forms of life lived without oxygen. <laughs> so it's really not universal in that sense, and who knows what other life might be using on other planets uh, to live. But it seems universal to us because we're here on the bottom of this ocean of of oxygen and so it seems universal okay okay so moving ahead let's talk about the heavens above us uh, as you already said that many authors have already talked about astronomy and how it shaped the uh, belief system of early religions so but you give a lot of emphasis to stone hedges and and you created your own version of a modern age stone hedge that you call the space hedge so what is this space hedge well uh, I designed a modern day Stonehenge um, and I, I think one thing I like about Stonehenge is it puts us back in touch with um, nature with with the sun and the moon and uh, I think um, the original hunter-gatherers were very much in touch with nature and then when agriculture came, uh, religion seemed to shift to away from nature, and it's become very abstract and put in a church, and uh, now we worship these these men uh, rather than than nature. So I think the original uh, uh, hunter gatherers had a had a better uh closer i mean in fact we should respect nature and volcanoes and uh and the stars and we should have great respect for them and so my my idea in designing this uh this modern monument space henge was was to to kind of put us back in touch with authentic something more authentic than sitting um, in a church uh, worshiping some man-god rather than, um, you know, I, I don't want to say worship, but uh, showing great respect to, to nature. Okay, so do you find a lot of difference between uh, the early religions and modern age religions? Uh, do you think the early religions were mostly polytheistic about worshipping nature, while modern age religions are about worshipping man, prophets? Yeah, yeah, I, there, there is. Like I said, I think um, about five to 10,000 years ago, which is very recent, by the way, there was a, a shift away from the, the nature uh, uh, worship toward toward these abstract gods. <clears throat> and I think that was due to um, the rulers uh, uh, manipulating the people in, in some sense, um, getting, getting their attention off nature and into, into, the, uh, in, into the churches. 
Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying we should go back to the primitive religion by any means. Um, I'm just saying um, I think we need to uh, show respect for for nature, uh, proper respect for nature. So, would you say that there has been a shift from trying to understand nature, what the early religions were doing, to trying to control people, what the modern age religions are doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that that's true. Um, modern religions do try to uh, manipulate and control people. Um, there is a, a socialization function. I mean, uh, modern religions apparently have some survival values since they're still around. And there's a lot of us uh, scientists trying to figure out why. Uh, why they still exist in an age of science. Um, so there, there's still uh, some things we can learn from them, but I don't think we need the the, the obviously false uh, stories of miracles and things like that, unless we see them in their in their proper light as as trying to describe nature. So I think your book covers most of the. Uh causes for invention of God but but what do you think about the future of God um, yeah that's a good question that I've um, I've turned my attention more to the future lately because this book was really about the past um, the deep past and in a sense the book freed me up from the past and uh, I think to some degree allowed me to put my attention more on the future and what what that could bring. And I have thought about um, religion. Will religion survive? Um, what form it might take in the future? Um, and um, so uh, one, one possible situation is if we develop very advanced artificial intelligences that uh, some artificial intelligence could claim to be God or to have some connection with God. And many people might find that appealing. Um, so that that's just one possibility. I, I don't know, of course, uh, what, what will happen if uh, religion will continue. My, my One of my goals in writing the book was to try to see if I could make religion disappear. <laughs> um, but um, what I found is it did disappear in a sense in my mind. At least any negative influences religion had on me disappeared by me understanding uh, religion. Um, seemed to seemed to kind of, in a sense, make it disappear for me. Um, and whether religion will continue, I, I think it's going to be very hard to uh, make religion go away. And I, I think because um, it has to do with the nature of uh, symbols, because uh, there are many um, symbols, like we mentioned, fire, earth, air, and water, which are simple and easy to understand, but yet inaccurate. And then you have um, 
models of nature, more modern models of nature, such as the 116 elements of the of the uh, chart uh, periodic table, um, which are highly accurate, and uh, but they're much more difficult to learn. It takes a lot of effort um, <clears throat> going to school and learning them. So my current thinking is that people will always be attracted to these easier ways, um, these easy symbols. Um, and in that sense, I, I, I see a basic distinction between religion and science. Science is, is more accurate, but more complex and difficult to learn, whereas religion can be very easy easy to learn, but highly inaccurate in, in, in many ways. And you have this whole idea of, of the judgment day. <laughs> okay, so talking of future, uh, do you have any books planned for the future? Um, well, I have a, uh, some ideas for part two of, of this book. Um, I have some very good uh, material which I'm putting together. Also, I'd like to uh, put it into a form for teenagers, uh, maybe the invention of God for teens or the invention of religion for teens. Um, I have a book in mind also on education. Um, I've been a educator for 30 years now and I think I could uh, make make a some uh, contribution in that area, and um, and also I'd like to write some more children's books uh, to try to help uh, them learn about science. Uh, so those are my main ideas for for books. Okay, then Bill, uh, nice talking to you, and I'm pretty sure a lot of our audience would like to read your book. So would you like to tell them how they can get it? Uh, yeah, it's on Amazon as both a paperback and a, um, and a Kindle version. Uh, on my website, earth360.com, you can also get, um, a digital copy, um, if you have a credit card. Um, now, I'm hoping, oh, also, if you go to your regular bookstore, Tell them the name of the book. They should be able to order it uh, for you. Um, so those are three main ways uh, that you can get the book. And um, I'm hoping to have it on the iTunes store within a couple of months. So that'll be a, a fourth way. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Uh, okay, then, Bill. Thank you for your time. It was great talking to you. Well, nice talking to you. Thank you very much. The Cosmic Boondocks is produced by Ajita Kamal for Nirmukta Radio. Please visit our website at nirmukta.com, N-I-R-M-U-K-T-A.com. Join our online community of freethinkers in building a culture of rational inquiry and critical thinking in India. 
For details or to send us comments and suggestions, please use the Contact Us page on the website or send us an email at info at